This is recording number 10832 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Vallejo, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, September 6, 2009, and features Randy Bolt. This message is titled, When Life is Labor Intensive. get to Matthew, turn to chapter 11. Chapter 11. Uh, This is Labor Day weekend, and uh, uh, most of us uh, are really unaware, I I would guess, most of us uh, are unaware of the roots of this holiday. All we care about is we get a day off. But it goes back to the labor movement in this uh, country, and there are fewer and fewer of us Americans that are involved in the labor or in uh, labor unions, and so uh, the you know the the whole concept of uh, what Labor Day is about escapes most of us. But we do know what it's like when life is labor intensive. How many of you ever heard that term, labor intensive? You know, it's generally a bad thing. Um, just on one level of it, labor-intensive means that it it requires a lot of work. But if you're in business, you want to produce your products or your services with uh, the minimum amount of human labor as possible uh, because human labor is expensive. You would much rather involve technology or uh, other means to, to accomplish what, what, you're, what you're needing to do uh, because it's much, uh, much less expensive. But we're going to be using uh, that term in a little bit of a different way today and just talking about our own lives. And I think all of us can relate to what it's like when you feel just like you're laboring just to make life happen. Let me tell you, I said earlier I would tell you where my wife is today and, and that has to do with a little story I'm going to tell by way of intro here, and uh, she uh, is, uh, our, our, her family uh, has a little cabin up in the San Bernardino Mountains down in Southern California on uh, Big Bear Lake, and uh, they've had it for a long time, since I think the 60s, and the cabin itself, I don't know, is probably 100 years old, and um, it had... I'm not sure it was ever in very good shape, but it had fallen into terrible, terrible shape, uh, and, you know, over the years until about, I don't know, I guess maybe 2003, something like that. So I'm going to pick up the story there in just a minute, but say that that's where Sue is. She's at the cabin this weekend because she uh, has been trying for several years now to take a weekend away there at the cabin uh, in the fall. Uh, just to have a kind of a personal personal retreat. Now, let me go back to where I was. So the cabin is in terrible shape. And when I, when I say terrible shape, uh, you can't imagine. I mean, it was filthy. It was full of junk and garbage, big gaping holes in the wall. Uh, I mean, just just busted chunks of plaster and stuff everywhere. Mouse droppings all over the place. It was disgusting, horrible, the worst possible thing you can imagine. And I, one time, 
uh, I just was desperate for, I needed, a, I needed a break. I had to get somewhere, and I couldn't afford anything else. So I decided I would go and spend a few days at that cabin. And I thought, oh, I'm just, I'm not sure what's worse, <laughs> going to the cabin for a few days or staying here in the midst of these uh, difficult times that I was going through. But I went. And while I was there, I, I, I had been after my father-in-law to sell that place. Uh, not because there would have been any benefit to me, but for several years I've just been telling him, unload this, Dad. I mean, you don't go there anymore. Uh, you know, he, he would go, I don't know, very, very rarely would he go there. Uh, my mother-in-law never went there. Um, and uh, it was, you know, he pays, a, he leases the land. It's U.S. Forestry Service land. He leases the land. So he's paying a rent for this property, or a monthly rent for the land. And then on top of that, he's paying property taxes and, you know, utilities and all this. I said, Dad, just cut that thing loose, you know. So I'd been after him for a long time to do that. Well, while I was there that weekend, my first thought was, ugh. We have got to get, we got to unload this thing. It's such an eyesore. I mean, it's a falling down piece of junk. But the th- it sits a yeah, hundred yards from the, from the lake shore on a, on a hill with a panoramic view of the whole lake. You could not replace that. I mean, there are, uh, there are huge multi-million dollar homes around this lake, but but uh, uh, you can't, you couldn't get anywhere close. You couldn't have anything on the order of what he's got for any amount of money nowadays. And so I thought, well, all right. <laughs> we'll see if we can fix this place up. So I went, I started uh, on a campaign to rejuvenate this, this property. And you know what? It got really exciting at first. I mean, I, I would go there uh, every chance. I mean, and it's, it's not... And insignificant. I mean, it's for, to drive there is at least an eight-hour drive each way. And, uh, but I would go there as often as I could. I just, and my kids got involved in helping us. And we just we threw out truckloads of stuff and repaired and painted and, you know, replaced. And <laughs> anyway, we got it to be in, in fairly decent shape over time. But, you know, I would go there and I'd spend my vacation time there working like a dog. I would, from sunup to sundown and beyond sundown, I'd be hammering and I'd be sawing and I'd be, you know, painting and, uh, and loving every minute of it. I'll come back to why I think that might be in a, in a bit. Now, last summer the big project was to replace uh, nearly all the windows in the house. And it almost, I mean, it came within... Uh, very slim margins of actually killing me to get it done. But we got got that done. Now this year, I I went there to open up the cabin in the springtime. I was there one day. And the thought, let me just tell you, it's so strange to me because the thought, just the thought of going there, I have to go close it up, you know, sometime here in the next month or so. The thought of it is like, ah, there's something that just rises at me and I just, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go there. Now something changed. 
between those days when I was in the throes of rebuilding that cabin and, and just working like crazy and loving every minute of it to the point of, I don't, I can't even stand the thought of going down there to just lock it up for the winter. What is the difference with that? How can I have so much pleasure and joy and so much work and yet dread the thought of just driving down there and turning a key, you know, basically? What's the difference? I want to submit to you that the times when we find ourselves feeling that, you know, that grinding uh, weariness that comes when life gets labor-intensive, I don't think it's about the work. Because we all know what it's like to be in the midst of a season of, of intense uh, activity, but gaining all kinds of pleasure and joy and satisfaction from it. But, but we also know when it just seems like an unbearable, those times when it just seems unbearable. And I, wanna, I want us to think today about what is the difference. I don't think, because we, what we'll do is we'll end up focusing on, oh, I got this project I have to get done. I've got these, you know, these responsibilities and, you know, they don't pay me enough and I got to work harder now because we've been laying everybody off and I got to do three or four jobs and, you know, we'll, we'll blame it on those kinds of things, but I don't think that's really the issue. And so let's just take a look. I've got, you know, about 15 minutes uh, now that I've, you know, rambled on with this intro forever. Um, to just make our way through three verses, Matthew 11, chapter 20, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And Jesus says, Come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The word labor there in the original language means just that grinding, you know, kind of feeling that you have when it just is, whatever it is that you're involved in is just, just crushing you. You know, it's like uh, in a, one of the joints in your body, if, if you were, if the uh, cushioning tissues had deteriorated and it was just bone on bone and every move you make just grinds away and there's pain and, you know, it, Jesus is saying, come to me when you feel like that. When whatever it is you're involved in, when your life feels like that, just bone on bone, just grinding away, come to me. And then he says, uh, all you who labor and are heavy laden, that word in the original means that you're just, there's a weight on you more than you can bear. He says, when you labor and are heavy laden, come to me, come to me, I will give you rest. So, when life is labor-intensive, uh, first of all, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Isn't it funny how we'll almost do anything else but that? We will go, we'll look to others. We'll look to friends for consolation or help or counsel. Or we'll look to physicians. You know, we'll, we'll come in. I remember one time I came to the doctor because I had this twitch in my eye. And it was, you know, I just, you could look at me and my eye was just like this. And it went on and on and on. And so I went to the doctor, what's wrong with me? And he says, well, what do you do for a living? And I said, I'm a pastor. He says, well, that's, that's what's wrong with you. <laughs> you know, it's stress and there's nothing I can do about it. We'll go to physicians to, for help. 
We'll go to counselors. We'll go to spiritual leaders. We'll go to philosophers and gurus. We'll go to Barnes and Noble and try to find a book that'll help us. We'll do almost anything except come to Jesus. But that's what he says. When you labor and are heavy laden, when life is grinding you to a pulp, when you feel pressed down with a weight that you can't bear, come to me. If we don't look to others for help in those times, we will turn to something to try to escape it. We'll, we'll turn to mood-altering substances, and I include food in that. I mean, I, there's a whole range of mood-altering substances that I don't need to talk to you about today you know are not helpful. But there's, a, there's some other things that uh, you know, maybe are not so cl- quite clear-cut. But let me say, that whole category of, of ways of dealing with life when it's labor-intensive, it won't help. It won't help. We'll try to escape through fantasy, uh, pornography, illicit sex... Uh, the odd, the craziest, weirdest thing in the world to me, but it's so true. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in other people. There are times when people who are, are, are just so wearied by life that what they do to cope with it is work harder. Anybody here ever experienced that or seen that? Yeah. As though, as though that was somehow going to give them relief if they could just get more done or something. I don't know. It's weird, but we'll do that. Hobbies, people will. And listen, I'm, now, there's a whole category of things here in this list that, uh, I mean, several categories here that you should avoid completely. <laughs> but there are some other things that, you know, it would be good to have a little bit more of in your life. If you don't have a hobby, you probably ought to have one of those because it, would, it might help kind of bring some balance to your life. So I'm not just saying don't do that, but when you turn to a hobby or any of those other things that we've talked about to find escape from life's labor intensiveness without turning to Jesus you're making a mistake it will only hear me now it'll only deepen the problem I've seen people try to escape through recreation and sports uh, through vacations there I, I've seen I, you know I've been a pastor for a long time now and so I recognize patterns in people I and mean, that's my that's my life's work is people so I can tell when this starts to take a hold of a person because they, they're looking for every reason in the book to get away. They spend all their time on orbits and, you know, they, on these travel sites looking for the best, <laughs> best deal so they can get away. God bless you. If you get a chance to take a vacation, please do that and enjoy it all you can. Just do me one favor. Make sure you come back. That's all. But... Uh, but, you know, when this starts to become the means that you're trying to cope with your life, it won't work. It won't work. It won't work. Come to me, all ye that labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. And then it goes on to say in verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. What does that mean? I think all of us can envision the yoke that... Um, 
beasts of burden get into so that uh, teams can pull uh, loads and that someone can, can direct that, that operation, so a yoke. But, you know, that's not really, even though there's, there's some of that imagery that applies, that's not really what's being talked about here. A rabbi in those days um, was understood to have a yoke. And, and by that, it meant a way of interpreting scripture, a way of carrying out his ministry. Uh, and and every, every rabbi had a little distinct, a little different way of approaching spiritual things. And so that was to, called their yoke. And if you were someone who was interested in becoming a disciple of a rabbi, uh, someone, a learner of, of a particular rabbi, when you entered into that relationship with that leader, that teacher, that rabbi, you were taking his yoke upon you. So it's kind of, it's, it's a little similar analogy of getting into a yoke with another, you know, uh, to, to, to pull in the same direction. But, but it's not quite. So I just wanted you to understand what we're talking about here. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. I have a different way of dealing with life. Than others. If you want to be my follower, if you want to be my disciple, take my yoke upon you. And there's a couple of things that that's uh, that comes to me right off the bat as Jesus is giving us a remedy, a solution to life when it's labor intensive. He says, "Get in the yoke with me. Take my yoke upon you. Start to look at life the way I look at life. Deal with life the way that I I deal with it." And there's at least a couple of things that that invitation, the invitation, "Take my yoke upon you," is saying to us. One is, he's inviting us into partnership. You know, these rabbis in those days, <clears throat> and I don't, want, I, I don't mean to insinuate, you know this, I'm not insinuating that Jesus was just another rabbi or just one of many teachers. He was, he was the son of God. But let's think about it in the context of, of those days that when Matthew was writing this gospel, people would have understood what he was talking about. Um, a rabbi didn't, uh, you know, he didn't advertise. He didn't, he didn't pay, pass out business cards and say, you know, hey, please become my follower. No, 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 no. The way they did, they went about it was that they, you came to them. It was a very restrictive, very, um, you had to pass muster to be able to become a rabbi's, uh, to be, come into the rabbi's uh, circle. You, you, you had to qualify. He had to, he had to be able to look at you and say, I know you want to be my follower, but can you be? Can you do what I do? Do you have what it takes to be what I am? Uh, And so Jesus, think of this. Jesus, the Son of God, is saying to every one of us in this room, come, take my yoke upon you. Be my disciple. Be my follower. I believe in you. I believe you have what it takes to do what I do to be one of mine. That is just, that's a marvel in itself. But I want to tell you, I told you I'd come back to the illustration I talked about earlier about my work on the cabin. 
Here's the difference between those days when I was flat out expending every amount of energy I had on that place and loving every minute of it and now doing hardly anything and can't bear the thought of even just going there. The difference? Purpose. Purpose. When what you do, when you feel like there's purpose in it, because in those days when I was working so hard in that cabin, everything I did made a difference. And I could see it, I could take a picture of it. When there's purpose and you feel like you're accomplishing something that's meaningful and valuable, there's purpose in that. I'm doing something that's going to benefit someone, it's going to have meaning. When life is full with, filled with purpose, when what you're doing is filled with purpose, I'm not saying that there aren't limits to the amount of energy that you can expend. I'm not saying that you should uh, cross boundaries of wisdom with regard to how you manage your life. But I am saying when there's purpose, oh, you can run flat out. And, and Jesus is saying, look, when you find yourself in this, under this load that you can't carry, just being ground to a pulp, come to me and find partnership, find purpose that is beyond whatever, you know, the task that you're, that you're currently doing uh, has in and of itself. Find eternal, godly purpose. We've talked about this within the last couple of weeks so I won't go there but whatever it is that you do you probably don't uh, you know run a jackhammer like this guy on the screen but whatever it is that you do that may be feeling overwhelming to you or, or grinding to you let Jesus fill that with the purpose of his kingdom and watch what happens and it's not just about taking care of a person in a hospital room those of you who are nurses and medical per, per, uh, personnel it's not just about whatever it is that you do. But if you let the Lord bring you into his yoke and, and transform what you do into partnership with him, it makes a, it makes a marvelous difference. And so there's partnership and purpose. When he says, take my yoke upon you, he's saying, I'm, I, we're going to be in this together and there's purpose that's eternal. Then he goes on to say, uh, take my yoke upon you Learn from me, uh, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Uh, let's, let's just focus on, I, uh, learn from me. This is very similar to what he said when he says, take my yoke upon you. It's really a restatement. Learn from me. And what we've already talked about partnership and purpose in that he's restating in a different way when he says learn from me observe me see the world the way I do it because I am gentle and lowly of heart and you might think well what in the world does that have to do at all with how I'm feeling right now burdened and grinding away how does that have to do with anything let's just pay a couple of minutes attention to this I am gentle what does that mean Jesus is not, the word in the original language is not, uh, you know, uh, uh, the word for being a pansy or a lightweight. It's not like Jesus says, learn from me because I am gentle. (laughs) 
No, that's, that's not here. The, the, the word there in the original language, it's hard to define it. You know, I mean, it's hard to describe. Let's put it that way. But a good way of understanding it is as power under control. And I like to think of it, this might not help you, but I like to think of it like a bridled horse. You know, I, this, this summer I had a chance to go horseback riding with my granddaughter, and so it's fresh in my mind. But, you know, this is powerful uh, animal under you. And, but, but you've got this bridle that you, you can make it go where you want it to go. Even my six-year-old granddaughter could do this. That horse would want to take off and do something that he wasn't supposed to do, and she'd just jerk the rein, and he'd be right, right there, you know? Now, I'm not saying that Jesus is saying, look, I want to jerk you around. No, that, that, that's not it. But, but he's, he's saying, look, I understand that the potential for your life is very powerful. I know that. You might know that, not know that, but I know that. And where you find rest is when you bring that power under my control. Because I, as I guide you, as I lead you, you find the purpose and the partnership that you, you, you need. So uh, learn from my example. Um, I am gentle. And Jesus said this. He said, I don't do anything that I don't see the Father doing. I don't say anything. I don't hear the Father saying. You know, Jesus lived out his ministry as a model for us. And he was saying, look, this will transform your life. Learn from me. Take my yoke upon you. Start to see the world the way I see it. Learn from me. Because I am gentle. Power under control. Let the Lord Almighty have the reins of your life. And you'll find that, that the, 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 the debilitating a crushing weight of these things that are doing you in begin to be transformed. I'm gentle, and he said, I'm lowly of heart. And when we hear the word lowly, we think of, you know, cast, you know, bent, somebody bent over, eyes cast down, woe is me, I'm lowly, scumbag, you know, person. And, and not, that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's talking about humility, humility. Now, again, we hear the word uh, humility or hum being humble, and we think of it like I just described. But you know, nothing could be farther from the truth. You cannot be truly humble if you don't know who you are. Let me say that again. You can't be truly humble if you don't know and aren't secure in who you are. Otherwise, it's not humility. It's just, it's just uh, uh, giving yourself over to being a doormat or being somebody's punching bag or being, you know, used by people. But when you know who you are and are secure in that, then you don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to, uh, and, and, and neither do you have to feel like you're, you know, um, Worthless or anything like that. It's, it just transforms it. And so Jesus says, look, I know you're thinking uh, the solution is a different job. You're thinking the solution is a vacation. You're thinking the solution is more money for what you do. You're, there, there's, you, you've got all these other things in mind, but listen. Step into my yoke. See things from my vantage point. And it has to do with partnership 
and purpose. It has to do with surrendering. Surrendering power under control. Give the, the power of your life under the control of the Lord God. And the security of knowing who you are. You're mine. You're mine. And that will transform. That will transform your life. Let's stand together and read this verse, or these uh, verses actually, from 1 Peter chapter 5. It's on the screen before you. Let's say it out loud. Let's read it out loud. I'll make a couple of comments and then we'll go. Here we go. Ready? Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. God, um, listen, it's a whole lot better to humble yourself than to be humbled. (laughs) Trust me. Uh, Voice of experience here. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. For some of you, even, even now, even though I've been talking for 15, almost 20 minutes, um, you're not, it's, this is a difficult connection for you because you're so in the moment of your you know, distressing circumstances and you, you're looking for the, uh, you know, the thing that will just bring the, the, the immediate relief And this surely doesn't sound like it. Please reconsider that. Jesus said, Labor, heavy laden, come to me. I'll give you rest and here's how. Here's how. You're going to find a place of partnership with me. Come into my yoke. And I'm going to show you how I can make your life filled with purpose. Let the power of your life come under my control and my direction. Partnership. Find a place of security and the humility of knowing who you are, that you're mine. And those things, dear one, those things will transform your life. They will. They will transform your life. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care on him. Why? Because he cares for you. See, we, we, we think, well, well, who's going to take care of I can't just, you know, I can't just cast this, all this burden and stuff on, on, onto Jesus. I mean, it's got to be taken care of. Who's going to hand that report into my manager tomorrow? Is Jesus going to do that for me? Do we believe him or don't we? He says, cast your care on me. Humble yourselves in all the things we've talked about, but then cast your care on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. We can trust him with all that stuff. We can trust him for whatever it is that seems too heavy to bear. We can trust him with whatever it is that's grinding you down. You can trust it to him.